Good evening. It's a spooky ten dozen minutes of Jake and Mr. Skullhead. What will be the spookiest part? Probably me trying to keep this accent going. Ha 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 Let's phone Jake, shall we? Hello, Mr. Skullhead. Good evening. Oh, wow. Your, uh, your uh, picture on Skype looks like maybe a Halloween costume from last year. Uh, no, that's... Uh, blown up to inappropriately high res. <laughs> that's the uh, same as it ever was. That's the box that you made when you put when you gave me my first iPod. Oh, yeah? Yep. Oh. That really meant oh. a lot to I me. I didn't recognize that as a thing that I made. <laughs> maybe Roy made it. I don't know. It meant a lot to me because you made it, so I'm going to pretend that you made it. No, okay. No, I do I do remember that. Oh, remember how cool those iPods were and remember how old those iPods seem now? Yeah. They like I still have that one. It eventually quit working because I had it uh I was using it in the bathroom hmm. uh and the steam from showers just crept under the wheel and yeah. none of the controls work anymore. Mine the hard drive just quit finding its hmm. place. It would just sit and spin and spin and then spin down. And when I asked, so, is, uh, is there anything we can do to fix that? They said, uh, no. Well, right. now that we've established what's going on with the iPads that we bought six years ago, how you been, Mr. Scully? Right. I've been having a ghoulishly good time. I'm going to keep breaking into that every now and again. Cool. Just so cool. people don't forget it's... Just don't... So people don't forget it's Halloween. Uh, I went to the gym today. You did? I ran on the eerie elliptical. And the treadmill. Yes, and I lifted lots of fright weights. Uh, that isn't. And Ollie did some ghoulish gymnastics. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, ghoulisthenics. Nah. Uh, I can't, I can't give you that. I can't give you full credit on that one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um... Does anything? Is there any cardio? Is cardio going anywhere on this? Hmm. No. Um. Let's see. Uh, what else do you do at a gym? You, the, did you did you go for it? Did you take a dip in the swimming ghoul? <laughs> no, but I did some kilates. Oh, okay, okay. Um. And uh, <laughs> that's your Halloween. Ah, oh, it's been lovely. I took the kiddo out trick or treating a little bit. And uh, about a block in, he said, I want to go home. Really? You don't want to get more candy? Because candy has been the main focus of his life for the past two days. But he yeah. he said, no, I want to go home. <laughs> so we did short trick-or-treating. He did huh. some on uh, Saturday as well. They had a thing over at one of the... Over at uh, Hipster Mall. Uptown Hipster here. Mall. It's uh, the Uptown... I don't think it's even a mall. It's at Calhoun Square, but it's oh, it's see. hipster mall, pretty much. I guess it's like Dana Park down here, which yeah. is like it's just like a strip mall, but it's kind of a nice strip mall, and it's called Dana Park. <laughs> Are you it's sure where it's, the AJ's is. It's not just a lady named Dana Park. It's where the sushi restaurant is that we go to. Oh yes, oh. and that uh, I will be going to tonight after the show and after rolling out the item of the month, which is on time uh, through no effort of mine. You guys, you guys rose to that occasion. Yeah, that turned out really well. I drew two tiny pictures. That was it. 
And boy, are they shitty. I phoned them in, buddy. That's okay. The writing is top-notch. It's, nice. uh, it really helped to have... Uh, like, I wrote a couple of things for it, and then left the Google Doc, kind of shared around, and Riff came in and did four or five of them. And that was enough for me to go, oh, that's how that thing talks. And then I was able to do the rest of it. Nice. Uh, did you did you do any uh, grown up Halloween stuff? I don't want to. I don't want to get to the KOL portion of the show just yet. We got a no. lot of ground to cover. <clears throat> no. Uh, yeah, that sucked. We didn't do anything. We watched a couple of scary movies. Um, like scary movies two and three. Yeah. The guy living upstairs with us right now, Dan, bought uh, a couple of bags of Halloween candy, and we had a couple of bags Dan, of Halloween candy. Dan bought? You have a robot living upstairs for you? Yeah. His name is Dan bought? Dan bought procured some uh, Halloween candy. Mm. So he and his girlfriend and me and roasted, his spouse went downstairs. Roasted and hex nuts with motor oil. Hex nuts roasting on a spooky fire. Because it's Halloween still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We watched uh, Fright Night, the old Fright Night. Which I hadn't seen mm. before. And is that a vampire uh, movie? Yeah. Is that the one where they won't bite virgin? They'll only bite virgins. So somebody has sex in a coffin. No, but now I need to find out which one that is. Huh. I. What is the one where the guy? There are guys that turn into little piles of leeches. Is that Night of the Creeps? Night of the Creeps. Yes. Okay. At, I remember uh, seeing that when I was a kid. I could have sworn that Fright Night was the one where, you know, you, you hear these things about sex in movies. Or at least we did when we were kids, right? Like, when, when as a 10-year-old boy, we could not just watch whatever sick-ass porn we wanted on right. our phones. Uh, it, you'd, you'd hear, you'd hear, like, tales from your, your friend who saw Porky's. Yeah. And then later on, you watch Porky's, and you're like, what the fuck? There's not any wide open vagina shots in Porky's. Yeah, you must have been thinking of uh, 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 Steel Magnolias. Yeah, <laughs> what what was the Sharon Stone Basic Instinct? That was the the. I still remember a moment on uh, on the Morning Zoo radio show when I was in high school where uh, they talked about how even though it was like three or four years after the movie came out, Basic Instinct was one of the top selling VHS tapes. Uh, and their conclusion was that wide open beaver still smells, but they meant to say cells, and they had a good laugh about saying wide open beaver still smells. And then they got in trouble with the FCC. Maybe. I don't know if they did or not. They were those bad. wacky morning zoo people. They're wacky. Yeah, we did. You know um, what I keep realizing as I uh, as I try to have my legs crossed on this chair, the chair that Roy sits in when we're recording Advice Hot Dog in this studio, uh, but that is a footrest for me now, is that I... Uh, I apparently did something when I was riding my bike to work today that involved my pedal uh, digging some grooves down my calf. Ah. Uh, so I didn't notice it when it happened, which seems weird because there were some like definite bloody scrapes, and it definitely hurts when I uh, when I have that leg on top. Hmm. When I get that leg up on the competition, the competition is my other leg. I should use my third leg. Anyway, he got a couple bags of candy, and you watched Fright Night. That, uh, it was kind of weird. So two nights in a row, we sat downstairs with giant bags of candy and just kind of passed them around and ate candy nonstop for two hours. And this was after spending the entire day carefully controlling Ollie's candy intake. You know, like, candy is not for every time. You can have, like, a couple of pieces today. And mm -hmm. if he had thought to himself, as he might, I'll bet when I go to bed, Mama and Papa just eat all the candy they want, he would have been totally spot on. 
Do you find that that doesn't like that you, you don't like pay for that? I did have a candy hangover. It was weird. But yeah, I, the second night I ate enough candy that I actually gave myself a headache. And the next day was just fucked up in the stomach all day. Yeah, I, I just, like you know, the, the, days, the days when I overindulge, the days when I'm like, you know, I'm just going to eat whatever I want today. So it's like nothing but pie and licorice and shit. And, and I just like, by the end of the day, I'm just like, Jesus Christ. I like, I bet if I ate a salad, my guts would stop hurting. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's what they don't tell you. That's what they don't tell you about uh, about getting older. Eventually, you have to stop eating Cheetos because they're awful. Yeah, I think like the last time I had Doritos, I realized that it was like, you know what? I'm a grown ass man. My wife can't tell me what to do. I'm gonna buy a bag of Doritos and eat it, eat the whole thing, and your mouth just tastes like you've been sucking on a coin dipped in poison. Yeah, and you know you want them to be good. Yeah, right. You wanna you wanna recapture that entire bag of Doritos that you ate in college. Right. You know, I remember Roy and I used to sit and watch uh, when I had uh, South Park in like super weird lo-fi video files that had come from somewhere. Right. You know, like in in the days before you could get good quality anything, uh, we would sit on the floor of my room and watch an episode of South Park on the computer and just eat bag after bag of flaming Hot Cheetos between right. us. And I don't think that I could eat ten flaming Hot Cheetos now before I was just like, yeah, I can't. I don't want any more of these. I didn't even want the second through ninth ones. Second through tenth. I don't know. Eh, I want those halcyon days of youth back when I could and wanted to eat whatever I want. The desire is still there. It's like I don't miss smoking cigarettes, but I miss satisfying the desire to smoke cigarettes. Oh. Because, you know, nothing that good ever happens to me in a day anymore, right? Like, right. There, is, there is never that moment where it's like, ah, oh, I really wanted that cigarette, and now I'm smoking it. Yeah, when, uh, when you quit, you said something that I still quote to this day to people when we talk about smoking, which is, you know... Once every hour, I had a problem that I knew exactly how to solve. And that's that's compelling, you know? That's not something that you really get anymore. Yeah, I mean, it, and, you know, it's a very, like, master of your situation kind of thing that, that uh, you know... I mean, what I do now is I just jerk off once an hour. Right. Which, you know, when these shows go... When these shows get, you know, uh, we, get, we get to talking and I lose track of time, I, I forget sometimes. And that's why I'm like, oh, crap, gotta take a break, gotta take a break. Mr. Scullet, put on some music quick. Right, this bone is unbone itself. Um, so, what kind of candy did you eat? I'm partial to uh, all of the stuff that ends up ripping your tongue up, too. So, like the uh, sweet tarts, sour patch kids, the little boxes of nerds that probably aren't supposed to be single serving, but I insist that they are. Right. <clears throat> I feel like a regular size box of nerds is single serving in a lot of ways. <laughs> No, and I'm talking about the little ones that <clears throat> yeah. you, know, you can maybe fit a pinky finger inside if you were always, storing body parts for some reason. I, I feel like even when I was a kid, nerds were a little too much. Like, I always wanted them because the box was cool. You know, it like it was like a little machine. And yeah. things that are like two things in one package, I'm a sucker for that kind of thing. I'm a sucker for the gimmick packaging. You know, even like Tic Tacs. Like, I like orange Tic Tacs. Like, they're... 
I would I would actually go so far as to say that orange Tic Tacs are really good. But the thing that got me into Tic Tacs was not that they were delicious. It was that they came in an awesome plastic container. Right. It's and while you were eating the thing. entire container of Tic Tacs, you were like, man, I bet I could do some cool shit with this container after I'm done eating these Tic Tacs. And then you never do. Yeah. It's the Altoids effect. Yeah. And then you go online and see that there are awesome people who are doing amazing things with Altoid tins and, yeah. Sure. Yeah, you know, you, know, you go and say, well, look, this guy, this guy used all of his old Tic Tac containers and made a fully functioning Moog synthesizer. Right. Like, I can't do that. It's a pipe organ. Um, yeah, I, I was having this conversation with Hot Stuff today because we were debating whether or not we needed to get... He, he got candy for trick-or-treaters at the office because we figured that some would probably come by because they always do and we're never prepared for it. It's usually only like a couple, but he just got a big bag of, of uh, those like individual Reese's cups. Yeah, and the, and that's like, fine. You just bought that because you want those sure. and you, you are secretly hoping that no trick-or-treaters will come. He was he was off the wagon today when we went shopping for lunch stuff. He got a he got a half a gallon of eggnog wow. and a big bag of Reese's cups. Like, <laughs> Wait a minute, and ate this is from you back when you were like a normal weight. This is the kind of behavior you exhibited back before your fitness craze. Um, but yeah, and I don't you know I don't I didn't end up picking out any Halloween candy for anything. But uh, I'm I'm partial to the uh, I never liked sweet tarts. I like, love them. They were always the like the last ones. thing that was left over hmm. in my candy bag as a kid. When you know, the last thing that was left over were the individual Mr. Good bars. Right. Right. Because you little, were waiting uh, the for them. Sort of, the what? Because you were waiting for them. I, w- I was. I, and those always ended up like my. Uh, I ate the crackle. What did they call that? Yeah. Crackle. What was the. Yeah. Was it crackle? Was that the name of that? The candy bar with the Rice Krispies in it? Yeah. N- or Nestle Crunch. Nestle Crunch. Hmm. Uh, those were pretty good, and uh, the the caramel ones I, I like, but uh, the the little mini Hershey bars and the little mini Mr. Good bars, those just those ended up. My mom ended up eating those. Um, I I, uh, I think my favorite thing is the Willy Wonka assortment. Like I was yeah. was much more excited about a, a little paper envelope filled with three bottle caps than I was a paper envelope filled with three sweet tarts. Yeah, every year it seems like we look at all of the selections for the trick-or-treating candy and end up getting... So we want one that's chocolatey and one that's, like, sweet and soury. I almost said savory, but that would be weird if we just got, like, bags of peanuts or jerky. salas saladitos. Yeah, here's your jerky, kid. So here's some hard tack. But, yeah, so we end up with the uh, the assortment that has the Reese's and Twix in it and then the Willy Wonka one that's the nerds and... I eat the nerds, the wife eats the bottle caps, and betwixt the both of us, we lick the platter clean. I like a, I like a milk dud. I read a thing on the internet where somebody was extolling the virtues of the milk dud yeah. and saying that he felt sorry for the minority of milk duds users that thought that the correct way to eat a milk dud was to chew it up. And I was like, wait, what? And then he went on to say the the, the right way and the... The, the 99% way to eat a milk dud is to just suck on it until it goes away as though it were like a lifesaver. That would take and, hours. Yeah. But that was why he was saying it was good. Because it lasted forever. Yeah. Um, I really can't yeah, stand yeah. milk duds. I'm on the uh, oh, Whopper. Really? I'm on the Whopper side of that one. Just having my molars impacted with that shit forever. Yeah. I, I like stuff that is a lot of work to chew. Just yeah. in general, like, I, I will... I'll just chomp on like atomic fireballs. Like I, I, I enjoy just like eating jawbreakers. 
instead yeah. of sucking on them. And I also like chewy stuff that's like, I, one thing that I used to enjoy is uh, having like something that I was chewing on and then also grab like a piece of ice out of a soda and put it in my mouth so that whatever I was chewing on got really hard and it got really difficult to chew. Gotcha. Like that when you bite down on a Jolly Rancher and your teeth are stuck together and you just have to like rip your jaws apart and it feels like your teeth are going to come out. That's awesome. I'm surprised that somebody as uh, twitchy as you would enjoy that because I would feel like you would just be constantly going, oh my God, I'm going to fucking rip my teeth out. That That's it. I have no more teeth. I don't know. I don't know. It's something something about like that. And it's just it's just a really like it feels good in the same way that like sneezing feels good. Hmm. I don't know if it's just some weird some weird thing about the way that my nerves are wired that I just like, man, I just yeah, I'm not I'm not at all worried about my teeth shattering or or coming out because they're stuck to some candy or whatever. Uh Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I you know, I have so many fillings probably as a result of these habits that I'm more machine than man now. But, uh, yeah, I didn't, uh, we, we went to a pumpkin carving party. That's uh, a fairly small one with like half a dozen or eight people at it, uh, and, and carved some pumpkins. Didn't do anything interesting or exciting. I just made some faces on my pumpkins. Uh, but what I did have, uh, I don't know if we were ever at one of these parties where we did this, but I'm always really excited about the idea of roasting pumpkin seeds when yeah. I'm carving jack-o'-lanterns, and then they always suck. Oh, we do it every year, yeah. Yeah, I don't I, and I, like, I've just never, I've never managed to do it correctly, right? It always ends up being like, this is like eating sunflower seeds with the hulls still on them. Uh, you, right, it's like... You just gotta keep baking them until they're brittle. Yeah, that's a big. Uh, what what we did? There was a girl there uh, who who said, "Oh, you know what you should do? You boil them in salt water for ten minutes and then roast them, and then that just softens. That just like gets rid of whatever fibrousness causes that like woody shattering effect." Oh, dude! I'll yeah, have to try that. It makes them real salty, but they're good. Yeah, real salty and good are synonymous to me. So. Yeah, yeah. It can be. I mean, it's like you know, case in point, saladitos. Uh, it's definitely possible for something to be too salty. That one kind of olive that you can buy that's way, way too salty. Right. Um, you know, down at the down at the AJ's, down at the hipster mall, they probably sell this kind of olive. You might get it by mistake trying to get calamata, calamata olives, calam olives, calamari olives. The kind that are stuffed with squid. Yeah, I thought that would be pretty good, actually. Yeah. I like it. I like an olive stuffed with almost anything. My favorite are the like, blue cheeses. Yeah, I like the blue cheeses. I like those jalapeno ones. I like an anchovy stuffed olive. I wouldn't sit and eat like a dozen anchovy stuffed olives, but one of those every once in a while. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Welcome to the Splendid Table. Man, you know what we should give people for Halloween? We should hand out uh, olives stuffed with like a little length of Twizzler. Like Ooh, it's a yeah. pimento. You, we've had this discussion before. Uh, like, you, you are a Red Vines guy, right? Yeah, I am adamantly opposed to Twizzlers. Yeah, see, I am adamantly opposed to red vines. Like, I am, I am very much a, a Twizzlerman. I mean, that makes sense because Twizzlers have the they're chewier. Yeah, red vines help you out. They're like, you know what? You want to bite into me? That's cool. I will. I'm gonna just gonna be soft and yielding to your teeth. That's that's fine. I like a submissive candy. I find. Yeah. Do you like cotton candy? Um, you know, cotton candy is a little too. She's like, you know what? I'll just melt in your mouth. It's fine. Like, no, I want to do a little work. Like, don't See, I feel be, like don't red vines so are a little too easy. close to cotton candy. It's like if yeah. you compress the cotton candy a little bit, 
you know, it's one of those things. Where I feel like if you if you had a cup of a cup of Coke sitting on the table and you put a red vine in it and a Twizzler in it, you'd come back the next day and there'd be no red vine. Probably. Your argument would be that somebody would come up and say, "Ooh, a delicious red vine," and eat it and leave the disgusting Twizzler to rot. My problem with Twizzlers is I don't feel like they have any flavor. Oh yeah. That they to me they just kind of are waxy and and unpleasant. Mmm. That's all right. Um, it's our differences that define us. I know. I also so it like makes it to interesting. I mean, if, we, if all we did was like the same things all day, we wouldn't have anything to talk about. Yeah. I also like black licorice, which is another thing that nobody likes, apparently. I do. I don't know if I used to. I, like, I could imagine having been vehemently opposed to it at some point. Like, it's a, it's a taste that I developed late enough in life that I was already an argumentative asshole by the time I changed my mind on it. So, uh, right. I, I would not be surprised if if somebody somebody was like, but wait, in the August of two thousand four show, you said you hated black licorice. So I've been getting a lot of uh, at the uh, when we go to the uh, the Sprouts, the 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 pseudo farmers market grocery store right. place. Uh, they have a lot of licorice there, and it's all you know. Roy insists that only black licorice is licorice. The red stuff is just candy, like Twizzlers. That's true. I, yeah, sure. Because like the, the flavor, there's no licorice root for flavor. But I guess right, what but you're I don't tasting mostly I don't think there's any licorice licorices. root in the black licorice either. And I, I like it's one of those things where it's like I understand that that's technically incorrect, but I'm still going to use the word licorice to describe the category of candy that that encompasses all of those things. True. Because what else is it? I mean, it, like, like how would you describe a Twizzler? Like, what is that? It's a piece of wax with some strawberry syrup pumped into it. Okay. I would just say it was licorice. I don't know. Like there, there is no other candy that has the Twizzler je ne sais quoi. Like most of the black licorice that I buy has the same consistency as the red vines, which is that kind of like it's almost doughy. Like flour seems to be involved somehow. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Twizzler is uh, like nothing else. It's a hard candy, but it's not so hard. It's like a what candy do we not see anymore? Like I feel like maybe you don't ever like a kid nowadays does not necessarily ever come into contact with the orange and black Halloween candy. Yeah, you know I don't, I don't know that you can even buy them anymore, which is fine. I'm sure that you can. I you know I might enjoy that now because right. I like a peanut butter and those things are sure as shit gonna yank your teeth out. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to track some of that shit down. Uh, every once in a while, like uh, there were there was other stuff that I feel like I only ever saw at Halloween, like the weird fruit flavored Tootsie Rolls. Yeah, oh, I like those though. Yeah, me too. The vanillas and the oranges and the. I'm not super opposed to like a regular Tootsie Roll. That's the one that like that flavor is like nothing else. Yeah, it's, it's the Dr Pepper of candy. Yeah, it's like the it's like the the first it's like science's first attempt at fake chocolate. Uh huh. Completely it's like, you know, failed, this doesn't exactly but, uh, taste like chocolate, but you know, it tastes like something that's good enough to keep eating. <laughs> I like to imagine the weird candies there were when I was a kid that you don't see anymore. Is does bitter honey still exist? Because Jesus Christ, those were terrible. Yeah, I don't know. Again, I, my I mom would, would get one every once in a while, yeah. and I, you know, I liked having a piece of it. It's not like it wasn't like eating candy exactly. You know, it was like. You I would definitely be sad if somebody was like, hey, you want some candy? And I said, yes. And they'd be like, okay, here's your bit of honey. I'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah. But, like, if there was a bit of honey on the counter, I would probably eat it. And I would probably enjoy it, you know? It's just, it's just not a thing that I think of as, like, ooh, sweet treats. 
It's kind of like if somebody says, would you like a piece of pie? And you say yes, and they go, okay, here's some pecan pie. I think you are actually allowed to punch them in the face. Oh, yeah? Do you dislike pecan pie? Oh, uh, intensely. Huh. So my parents I mean, I kept, definitely, like, it's a different kind of thing me. than, like, an apple pie. Do you not like pumpkin pie? Oh, I love pumpkin pie, sure. Pecan huh. pie has the, like, it's got a nuttiness to it that's kind of unpleasant, and it's not, uh, it, it's sweet, but then it's, I don't know, it's just a bunch of fucking pecans stuck together with sugar. And, and it, like a weird really jelly suspension yeah. on the bottom. <clears throat> like, yeah, it's like floating on a disc of some, it's like, like, I, I it seems like something you might eat for dessert in England. <laughs> or Russia, like somewhere where they're not clear on the concept. Mm-hmm. My parents would do like that a, to like, me, it, like growing up. They go, "Hey, we're gonna have pizza tonight." And like, "Oh, sweet! What kind?" They're like, and it was either the Domino's Hawaiian pizza, which was terrible, or pizza with just rings of tomato on top, cooked. <laughs> so, and then it's like, "Okay, well, that was awful. What are we having for dessert? We're having pie. Oh, sweet! What kind? Pecan pie. Ah, oh, an ice cream. Sweet! What kind? Does it have nuts in it? Because I hate that. Like, oh no, it just has cashews, walnuts, peanuts, pecans." Brazil nuts, macadamia nuts, and my nuts. Like, that was a that was a good uh, that was a good extemporaneous list of kinds of nuts. <laughs> I I need to update my resume now. <laughs> I don't know that I would have been able to rattle that off quite so quick. Uh, yeah, can list, can list I, ten kinds of nuts off the top of my head. There was almost never a time growing up where my parents uh, ate. There were there were very few things that my mom would prepare for dinner that I didn't like. Uh, you know, to the point where they were—they were really. Re- it was really remarkable when it happened. Uh, every once in a while, there was this potato soup that my mom would make for dinner. That, when I imagine it now, I just imagine like slices of cooked potato floating in a bowl of melted butter. Huh. And I think, well, that doesn't seem—that doesn't sound so bad. But I really disliked whatever that potato soup was when I was a kid. That and biscuits and gravy. Yeah, that's. So sad. Can we? Can because you like biscuits and gravy? Is that? Yeah, you know, I've I've met plenty of people who. Uh, it seems to just be a binary distribution. You got like biscuits and gravy are disgusting, and the people who are correct, who are biscuits and gravy, are amazing because they're salty and wonderful. Yeah, uh, you know the gravy. The gravy is fine, and the sausage is fine. I would just really <laughs> rather just eat the sausage out of it. And because I uh, I have a real I have a real problem with soggy bread, but it's not soggy bread. I realized this as I was eating a uh, a bread pudding on Saturday night. We went down to we went down to Mill Avenue to wander around and look at the people in their slut costumes. Um, it, it was also the the Halloween the Saturday closest to Halloween was also ASU's homecoming. So there were a surprising number of people dressed like frat douches. <laughs> um, you know what? You're they're they're different now. They're different. The, and the girls, so every girl that was down there, every like, every, you know, just like sort of stereotypical, like hot college girl was wearing like really, really short shorts and then just a shapeless, not at all form fitting t-shirt. Huh. I was like, that's not okay. You need to, you need to tart it up a little bit if you're, if you're going to be walking around down here with that douchey muscle bound twat. We were at a, we were at the Irish pub, so it's okay for me to refer to them as twats. Yeah. Um, but I ate a bread pudding, and I was like, you know, I normally hate soggy bread, but I guess once it gets so soggy, 
that it's no longer really identifiable as bread, right? Because like a bread pudding really reads more like a custard to me than like a bread. Sure. Um, but yeah, I was reading in the menu. Uh, it's not really pudding. It's just that in certain parts of Ireland, every dessert is referred to as pudding. And I was like, you know, that makes a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> Why so many things that are called pudding and just clearly are not even similar to pudding? Mm. Like blood dessert. Or black dessert. Uh, yeah. So did that, walked around. Did Saw a lot of shitty Batman costumes. Huh. Like a lot of shitty Batman costumes. It just looked like expensive shitty Batman costumes. Like, like, okay, so this is like a full-body Batman suit with the cowl and, like, arms that had, like, fake muscles on them, but the fake muscles were super shitty. Huh. And it was like, it just looked like, oh, okay, so there's Batman, and he's got, like, maxi pads underneath his armor. <laughs> it's weird. Like, that's not how muscles are supposed to... Muscles don't have, like, weird seams on the outside. It's like... A sort of upholstered Batman. <laughs> Bat couch. Um, it did not really see anything clever or cool. There was a there was a girl at Pranksters who was dressed as a Dalmatian, uh, and the costume consisted of a pair of panties and then body paint wow. for the rest of it. Um, which I never saw her from the front, so I don't know if it was cool or not. <laughs> um, but it was certainly you know a like cry for attention. I'm always okay with that. Yeah, sure. I mean... Uh, you know, I, th- I think the internet says you're supposed to be outraged on some level. I've I've always had a hard time getting worked up about cam whores or people who enjoy attention. And not just because I'm a fan of boobs flapping around, you know, but to me... I, it's would, just, I wouldn't say flapping around. I mean, that's... Uh, you know, jiggling around, bouncing around. Mm-hmm. It, it's... Okay. I don't think that it's a like necessarily a sign of some kind of tragic disorder or like wrong thinking about your sexuality or something I think the metafilter line is not that there is anything wrong with the girl doing it but there is something deeply rotten inside of society that makes it so that is a thing that people are okay with huh yeah I don't know there was some there was some conversation about like Oh, it was about uh, this, you know, this, the same slutty costume thing that happens every year. The same, the same conversation where it's like, you know, these girls should stop doing this. Like, no, it's fun, and I like dressing cute. It's like, well, you're just making the problem worse. You're creating the expectation in all of the men of society that women are supposed to dress up and prance around, prance, prance around with their tits out for their amusement. It's like, ugh. I would say, you know, if you're going to say that once a year every woman who feels like it can dress up like a hoe and bounce around with her tits out, I think that that's probably okay. Mm-hmm. That's, uh... Yeah. It, it doesn't give men enough credit either. It's the same thing with, like, strippers or porn or something to say, like, well, men are going to just think that all women are sexual objects to be used and nothing more, and again, douchebags will think that. And, and me. Douchebags and me. Yeah. Douchebags and you. So the uh, the peanut butter and the chunky peanut butter will also... Right. Sure, sure. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> but, you know, like, men are... <clears throat> I think men are smarter than that. And I think 
sometimes when you look at a person, you're looking at their body as as an object. And most of the time when you're like getting like becoming involved in a relationship with somebody, you're just not doing that and it's fine. Mhm. Right, I mean, to, I think we should just all we should all just get along. We should all like sit down across a table from one another and jack off to these pictures I took at Mill Avenue on Halloween. Sounds good. Uh, excuse along, me, I think the women will be jilling off. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, jilling off, huh? Yeah, I'm gonna stick with that. All I right. may have created that just now. No, I've, I've, you know, that that uh, there's some game called Mighty Jill Off. This by that Anna Anthropy person who then also made the the uh, what was what was uh, described as a more realistic dating sim uh, uh-huh. game, but that was actually about some like just sort of like violently uh, dominating lesbian relationship. Recently, oh right, indie yeah. indie game designer darling, sort of. I don't know. Right. I don't remember if I've ever actually played any of her games. There was one that was like some 15 puzzle about stripping or something that I don't exactly remember. It was a statement about something. Yeah, I keep reading the descriptions of them and figuring it's kind of like the Andy Kaufman syndrome, where hearing about it is far more entertaining than experiencing it. Yep. Um... Yeah, I don't. I, you know, I, I'd like to think that I was the kind of person that would have appreciated what Andy Kaufman was doing, but I don't think I'm that kind of person. Right. You know, the the Aphex Twin, like uh, the show where he just put some sandpaper on turntables and, and spun that for an hour. Like, yeah, that is a great story, but I imagine I would have left uh, pretty early on in that show, or I would have stuck around thinking he was eventually going to start playing some music, and then, uh, and, you know, turns out the music was inside me the entire time. You were the turn. What did you dress your What did you dress your kid as? Uh, he was a dinosaur this year. We haven't yet gotten into the like the first Halloween. We made the we made. Jess made the dissected frog costume, which okay. was awesome and and made of wind. Did you see the pictures of that? I don't believe I did. It was like a. She made it just a regular frog costume from a pattern, but then sewed a red shape on the stomach and chest to make it look like it was you know like opened up and made little stuffed felt organs that stuck on him with uh, velcro okay so he would just pull them off and chew on them which was fantastic but then since then it's been like we go to marshall's they have awesome costumes for really cheap and we buy one and go you know next year we're gonna do like some nerdy awesome costume but this year you know we just fuck that so he was a dinosaur. You should dress like Jabba the Hutt and have him dress like Salacious Crumb. Yeah. And you could just, like, drip things out of your mouth and have him eat them. I thought you were going to say Slave Leia, so I'm glad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Jess would be Slave Leia, right? Right. You could get, you get like, a mobile platform that you wandered around the neighborhood on. Just make her drag me around on a... <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And I'll just sit there going, ho, ho, ho. And, and have your kid occasionally jump on a passerby and pull their eyes out. Does Salacious Crumb do that? I haven't seen Jedi. To, yeah, to C-3PO, right? Like there's, oh, right. There is a point at which Salacious Crumb detaches one of C-3PO's eyes. And say, now, Ollie, if you see any robots, you rip their eyes right out. And everyone's a robot inside. Right. In space, everyone is a robot. 
Uh, what else? Anything else happened last week before the Halloween showdown, before the Halloween season began in earnest? No, I don't think so. I think I'm uh, I'm ready to move on if you are. All right. Uh, Casey Wiederman wrote the uh, first thread, the first uh, question in this radio thread for this week. And he writes, so there's a bit of a divide when it comes to buffs. If you're not in hardcore, you can only be buffed by yourself. That's understandable. The alternative would be way too powerful. Now, I'm a guy who likes cooperation in games, and I'm trying to visualize a way that the game could have developed differently. It just feels like the buff classes are meant to be supporting other players, you know? How about some combination of these things? Buffing somebody who's in hardcore has a prohibitive cost unless you are also in hardcore. All buffs are limited the way accordion thief buffs are limited. Buffs are limited to players of the same level range. And how about a co-op challenge path where bosses are replaced by versions of themselves styled after the Krim Bombination, but only available to and scaled up for members of the party? That's a cool idea. You should use it. Anyway, the buff classes, Jick. They're so lonely and hardcore. So, I, you know, the buff classes were conceived of as buff classes before Ascension was a twinkle in anybody's eye, right? And before... Before it became clear that the, uh, you know, the the bulk of serious play was going to be done with prohibited interaction between players, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's weird because it makes it so like accordion thieves don't really have any mechanical personality, and it's always very difficult for us to like itemize boss drops for them or whatever. Um, the problem with letting people in hardcore buff each other in hardcore is that every serious player then needs a bunch of multis to do that with, right? Like, forcing social interaction in order to play optimally becomes a thing where just no one is happy about that. Right. Um, you know, we're not happy because we have to deal with all the abuse. People who are trying to trying to play the way that they want to play and don't want to break the rules have to spend a bunch of time talking to other people, which they don't want to do. You know, it like, I can imagine a situation where we allowed it that way, but we thought about the way that people were, you know, we, it, when it came up in early essentials, if we thought about the way that it was going to cause people to behave and just had to had to not do it. Uh, let's see. Nip says, a game design question as it pertains to KOL, if you please. Your moxie score determines in part whether a monster will hit you with an attack. It also determines in part damage mitigation from a successful attack. Why does moxie provide both a chance to dodge and also damage mitigation? Was this a conscious design decision? Or was there simply a time way back when when there wasn't enough useful equipment and you needed a way to provide that damage mitigation? The doubling up purpose for Moxie seems strange, given that most other game systems, RPG video games, pen and paper games, and now this is typically broken up, keeping chance to hit separate from damage reduction. Would you, if you could redesign the system, change this in any way? Uh, this question comes to you due to a recent run at the Naughty Sorceress, where having plus muscle slash HP gear on was getting me killed faster and more reliably than having plus Moxie gear on did. I was getting hit pretty regularly in either case, but with the Moxie gear on, I was surviving longer by taking much less damage per hit, despite my lower HP total. Thanks for taking the time to comment. I mean, yeah, the the basic combat systems of the game are not not particularly good, right? It's it, it by the time by the time they were established and we sort of like started to see the problems that they were causing, there was too much other stuff that relied on them to really change them. Right. Um, but it always has been a problem, right? Like, I mean, ranged weapons used to do as much damage as melee weapons. They just hit with moxie instead of muscle. And that was that just made it so there was no reason to ever play anything other than a moxie class. Because with a moxie class, all you had to do was buff up one stat and you were, you know, you had all of your bases covered. Um, I mean, I think 
if I had it to do over again, there are some things that I would do differently. And uh, chief among them, and you know, you'll you'll see this in stuff that you see that I'm working on now, if it is ever released. Uh, uh, I don't know that I think having a chance to miss in a game where you're just fighting a knob goblin. NPC that you're going to have to fight a hundred more of in a day is interesting at all. Um, it, I don't know. You know, it, it's. I wonder. I wonder how you feel about this, Mister Skullhead, because what you know, we 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 talked about it in like you know, in terms of PvP stuff, and it's like, I don't think that it is fun for somebody to get into a fight where they. Like the way that they know that the monster is way too powerful for them to fight is that they just got raped in half and did zero damage to the monster because they just missed every time. Right. Like that seems less fun than them doing some damage to the monster. Yeah, that's why I don't play Moxie classes. Is I get tired of seeing you fail to hit the monster. Yeah. But the Moxie classes are by people who really take the time to learn the system and play it to its advantages, right? So, yeah, well, I mean, but I think they're, they're, they're frustrated with the fact that it's like, all right, well, I've got my stat to the point where I cannot get hit by this monster, and now I just have to do 20 rounds of the tiny amount of damage that a, that a ranged weapon will do until the monster's dead. Um yeah, I just, I, you know, it, it's it's a, it's a weird thing to think about, right? Because, like, uh, it, the whole notion of, like, a turn-based number-versus-number RPG combat is, you know, it is a holdover from when that's all you could do, I think. And I don't, I don't dislike it on a fundamental level. Like, I will not stay away from a game that has it in the way that, like, hot stuff will. Um, but I'm also not going to... Like, I would not necessarily enjoy going back and playing, like, an early Final Fantasy game, right? right? Because it's like I'm not really making any decisions from moment to moment in the fight. I don't really feel like there's skill involved in this the way that I do for whatever reason when I'm playing, like, Paper Mario. Um, which, which, Paper Mario is just really simple number-based combat, but you never miss in that, right? You never miss in Final Fantasy. Maybe you fumble. It's not like the, it's not like there's a 100% chance, right? Every once in a while something will go wrong and you'll get a critical failure, but I don't think that you I don't think that in like Dragon Warrior 1 you do zero damage ever. Right? Because I think that's just fundamentally dissatisfying. And if a monster is way too tough for you, there is there is not really a big mechanical difference between doing one damage to a monster at maximum in a round if that monster is going to kill you in five rounds than doing zero damage except it feels worse to miss than to do one damage I think um, you know I don't I don't think that that's a thing that could change really I mean I would like it if if bleeding edge combat involved getting hit more for less damage and having to actually deal with surviving it as opposed to like whoops, I fucked up, and the decisions that I made before this fight started have made it into a fight that I'm going to lose. Huh. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. You know, it, like, I, I feel like it kind of works fine if you're not trying to push it to its extremes, right? I mean, we can, we can make it so, like, by, by, by doing a, a scaling monster fight, we can make it, like, 
you know, feel fairly decent for a given person who's just who just wants to fight monsters and get the items that they drop. Um, and you can always level or or potion up past anything that you're having trouble killing in the game in general, right? Like the the fact that the systems are so forgiving makes it okay that they're a little broken. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's you know. It's it's uh, things like that that always make me excited about the prospect of like working on a new game, you know, as opposed to being stuck, uh, it is being stuck of, in these giant systems. I mean, it's kind of interesting that we have we doubled up on Moxie and Mysticality doesn't do a whole lot at all. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it is. But I mean, it's also that's a, like a weirder like Moxie is fun, right? Because that is uh, like moving quickly and being cool it's just more fun to think about than like being smart hmm. you know and and it's like if um, you know I could imagine like if monsters also had those stats then we could do more interesting things right the monster not having a mysticality stat in any meaningful way makes it like so there's this we can't really do any sort of interesting parody there uh, P-A-R-I-T-Y Right You know where like Your regular attack If you were holding a spoon Would be like Shooting a bolt of energy From the spoon Which hit based on mist And did damage Based on the differential Between your mist And the monster's mist hmm. For instance Right And we You know And then Then it's kind of All over the place Right Because like sure it, uh, A moxie class Has an advantage Because they only need One stat to avoid damage Against a moxie monster But it is not the case that that works against a monster that will just hit them, right? But then you're not really ever dodging, which it's fun to not get hit. It's not fun to miss your opponent, but it's fun to escape the harm of this, this you know, generic fantasy enemy, right? Like, yeah, the, the, yeah. the goblin is not a real thing in the way that, like, a player would be. Yeah, I, you know. Uh, who knows? I, like I think it's possible that that turn-based combat is turn-based combat with nothing interesting going on is a well that has run kind of dry. You know, I don't I don't see really getting into and enjoying a new game that does that. Hmm. Really. Um, you know what have I what have I liked as far as RPGs? I mean, like Fallout sort of turn-based, but not really the new Fallout games. The old ones were, like, they had that tactical thing going on, which I very much don't like. Um, but there, there's more to it. I mean, even when you see, like, I don't know, that, uh, there was that Facebook game, or that Flash game that was, like, a tie-in to Dragon Age. Right. Where it was, like, you know, it is just turn-based combat, but you're also moving guys around on a grid. Like, I just really don't enjoy that. I really don't enjoy a role-playing game where I'm moving a bunch of dudes around on a grid and positioning them, like, and trying to get the thief behind this guy, and, like, I don't know what it is. It just doesn't... I think maybe the, the fights involve too many tedious decisions to make right. for me to really enjoy them. The, the word game, I think, hits this really nice sweet spot where it's like, all right, I'm making these turn-based RPG decisions, but I'm also doing this thing that takes some skill... In between right. them, you know, in a way that I don't feel like Puzzle Quest really actually does. 
that I mean I played the shit out of Puzzle Quest because it is definitely like it's got it's got that like sort of you know endorphin channel thing going on right but um, yeah 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 Chow writes, you've said on some past radio shows that you think the adventure gains from consumables are way too high. Do you think you'd ever start toning down existing consumables, or do you feel you're stuck with the current setup for the foreseeable future? I, I think that's a balance change that we just can't really make. Right? Because, like, when I talk about it, it is... It, it is the casual players and the casual players' representation in dev that are the saddest about the idea of not being able to, like send somebody some awesome food that gives them a ton of adventures right. as a new player, you know? That's, you know. And I think those casual players, they don't care. You know, if, if they, they like, oh, I don't have time to play the rest of my turns, like, that's okay. They'll still be there tomorrow to some extent. Right. Kodakon asked if either of us would mind posting popped collar pics. Were there any pictures of you from from either of your frat LARP I thought that uh, Data Vortex had some. Oh, there Let me see doesn't. if I can find him. Yeah, with my triple collar. I think he got some pictures of me last year with his with that. No. That thread made me very happy. Yeah, it was weird. It was everybody was all angsty about it, and I didn't see any of the stuff that got edited out of it. I guess it was a lot of uh, making fun of Sir Sinams in a sort of juvenile and uh, asinine way. Right. Um. But yeah, it made me really happy. Like, so it made me really happy that our players are comfortable just posting pictures of themselves because this is a community that's like not going to be mean about the pictures. Right. You know, they're just going to post their own pictures of themselves, and it's like, wow, this this thread makes me really like I I smiled a lot. The idea of that thread, and then somebody somebody later in this thread was like, can we please allow images? Uh, to be posted in line because the that was annoying having to open all those in new tabs. And uh, no, no. Because I do not want our forums to devolve into what forums on the internet have become at this you, point. Do you mean like a bunch of image macros and no text? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I, like I think if you can post a, you know, they are used sparingly. They are funny, and I think that they actually sort of contribute, right? But no one uses them sparingly. Right. They are, you know, it, that is that is something that a bucket of them gets thrown on instead of a couple of them get painted on with a fine-tipped brush. And, uh, yeah, I do, I do not regret... Uh, well, I don't, need, I don't remember making the decision to not allow that, uh, <laughs> but I don't, I, don't, uh, I don't wish that it hadn't been made that way. That happened when the need arose for it, I think. We had a bunch of people come in and do unpleasant things with images. I thought you were saying something about that happened when Anita Rose, and I'm like, did we used to have a moderator named Anita Rose? Yeah, when that chick Anita Rose oh, okay. started posting pictures of her wide open vagina. Yeah, I mean, I do remember, I do remember like a bunch of shit porn uh, getting posted to the forums one night when I was at a party somewhere. Right. Uh, and and hearing about that, and that might have been when that stopped, but it's just. I wish that there was a way to differentiate. Like, yeah, I'm posting a picture of me in this thing where we're all posting pictures of ourselves, and I'm posting a picture of a cat with a smart-ass phrase written on it in that lolcat's font. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, uh, sure, I'll post a pop collar pic. It, it is weird how 
it's like that XKCD about sending files to people and how why the fuck is there not a good way to do that uh-huh. in in this day and age like you know even tech savvy people are like oh uh huh how are we gonna get this 300 meg file from one of us to the other I am absolutely sold on Dropbox now oh yeah is when I asked that question in our dev channel Riff suggested Dropbox so like for the KOL comic I was going to have to drive over to the artist's house and get all the images on a flash drive to bring back to my house because it was about 300 megs. Instead, I installed the Dropbox client. It makes a just a folder on your desktop that can sync with other iterations of itself. Yep. And right-click that, share this folder, put in his email address, and within minutes he was just drag-and-dropping files in there in Windows Explorer, and they just all showed up. And then for Rift to put the comic together, all I had to do was share the folder with him, and then he could have access to all of them. That's cool. And it just syncs all the changes, and yeah, it's brilliant. And free. Yeah, and it's and like cool. it's free for like a two gig setup, right? Yeah. I you know, I, I and I think I ought to do that, but then I'm like, you know, I don't... Like, for me, I can... You know, I have server space that I can upload stuff to. And, you know, honestly, so do you, right? Like, you, there's not a good way for you to get a file from somebody else. But, like, if I need to send something to you or you need to send something to Riff or Riff needs to send something to either of us, we have FTP space that we can use. And it's fine, right? And I guess the Dropbox thing is just going to be easier. Yeah, like, I could have really been, just... once I got the files from him, I could have put them on the web server for Riff to get at. But this was Yeah, just but I would just assume somebody else pay for that drive space right. anyway you know um yeah no i mean i like i don't often find myself needing to transfer stuff from like my house to the office the way that i used to yeah i think a lot of that was just like a creating a more clear delineation between like the stuff i do at work and the stuff that i do at home that's right. you know sometimes not working but sometimes like there are certain kinds of work that i do at home and certain kinds of work that i only do at the office and that arose like partially out of a wanting to I don't know separate home life and work life which I care less about these days because you know I don't I don't I don't live to work wait I mean I don't work to live I live to work that's that's it but in a good way right not in the depressing way that you're supposed to not do in the way that like no my work is like my life's work it's like literally like you know meaningful to me as opposed to something that I just do to make money. And so, who cares? Who cares if I work six days a week? Right. I mean, I guess my girlfriend cares. But because there's still one yeah. day a week that you're pestering her for sex? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chilt says, One of the more interesting features on the Naughty Origami Kit, the sleazy foldable, was the fortune teller, which gave you bonus stats depending on how quickly you finished a combat. This isn't a mechanic you've even alluded to since then. Is there a reason for this, or did it just slip from your minds? Um, yeah, because it's just hard-coded into fight, it's not a thing that we necessarily think about when we're thinking, like, what could, what could this item do? Right. Um, oops. Also, pretty, pretty, please, can you take the auto-sell value off of throwing bones and make them free pulls? They're just funny K-mail items, and I just pulled one instead of a crown of thrones. Huh. Weird. I wonder if that was with a with a bad uh, chat macro. <laughs> or a, a slash pull uh, command. Um, yeah, we do that with stuff like that, right? 
I was, I was pretty pleased with the way that throwing bone turned out. Yeah. I'm, I like the fact that we can do just those weird new ways to send messages to people and people really go for them. Yeah, me too. I mean, they're pretty easy to do, right? Especially now that it's like, oh, I'll just use this font that I already made. Right. Yeah, you know. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's a... Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like it. I sent myself one that said ass pickle Aww. to test it. Yeah. I was like, oh. What would I say to myself if I could tell myself anything? Written on the side of a bone. WVO Quine says, have you guys considered distributing your comic over the Comixology app for the iPad? Seems to me like it's the way you get the widest distribution. Uh, after I, I saw I that after I saw that post, I went and checked out the Comixology app, and um, they have a contact link where you can submit samples of your comic and a description of it and what's up with it, and they'll consider it for inclusion, so I went ahead and did that. Huh. <clears throat> so it's like I saw that they represent everybody from DC and Marvel to like slave labor graphi- graphics and I think even the Waigu stuff. So yeah, I wonder what they're. I wonder what you know. Do they do they just take a cut of it? Do they that I couldn't tell. You, do they make oh. you sign some kind of weird licensing thing like that? I wonder what uh, wonder what their model is. I mean, the request the request for more information is also just a request for them to look oh, at yeah, it. Yeah. So, no, oh, sure, yeah, we'll yeah, see yeah, what yeah. they no, say. I'm not, like, I'm not worried about it. I'm just curious. It would be fantastic if they would pick it up and host it and take care of digitizing it in a way that would take one of us a while to do. Sure. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't Thanks know what Pezbo- if Pezboy talked to you about this, but apparently a lot of the people that he knew that worked at Atomic Comics here are now distributed to other comic shops, mm. and so we've got a similar level of ability to put that in stores. I figured I would just grab like a hundred of them and ship them to Pezboy. Yeah. 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 Uh, St. Doodle says, Bah, you guys totally misinterpreted me on the last show. I think you saw the words dungeon and accounting and assumed I was going for something completely different. Uh, listen, St. Doodle, no matter how many times you ask us, we are not going to make an accountant dungeon for you. Uh, I have no problem scripting my own point tracker, he says. The problem is that there are certain things that are difficult to handle without having some help. One, the big one is dungeon IDs. Currently, they're assigned when a dungeon closes. For keeping track of what happened uh, when during fast-paced time-limited content, it'd be really nifty to have the dungeon ID assigned and accessible when the dungeon is open. Uh, I'm going to interject. That is not true. Um, They might only be visible to you when the dungeon is open or when the dungeon closes, but the ID gets created when the dungeon is opened. Uh, Anyway, currently, uh, do do a scripted loot distro that assigns a dungeon ID. I have to hit the server before the dungeon closes to tally things up, and then after to grab the dungeon ID of said instance. I just want to stop hitting it so much. I can certainly live with a situation where currently open dungeons are grandfathered into the current system, but if and when we get another one, it'd be super useful if the new instances already had their ID. I bet if I just just displayed those in a comment that that would be enough for people who wanted to do this, which I I will totally do. Ernie Q says, if you guys ever make a pants version of the hat rack, could you please call it the chapsless ass? That's probably how we would theme that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lord Bichelot says, uh, actually, Lord Bichelot says, Jake has to pee and also his beer is empty. Wow, that's a really specific thing for that dude to know. Yeah. All right, uh, we'll be back in about... 15 minutes, maybe 15 and a half. So just making sure that uh, you didn't stick around for that music break, Jake. 
Yeah, yeah, that certainly stopped me from doing so. A little Sisters of Mercy there, a little uh, typo negative from my misfit. Yeah, Halloweeny. Halloweeny. Emphasis on the weenie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what I did? I took advantage of the break and watched a uh, watched a video of a man who was paragliding uh, with a helmet camera on, and uh, an eagle gets caught in his parachute and rips it to shreds. <gasps> wow! So he hurdles to he hurdles to the earth, uh, flipping his shit, lands safely, and then the second two thirds of the video is just him trying to get the eagle disentangled from all of his crazy paraglider shoot strings. Damn. Yeah. I think that's something I'll have to watch. Yeah, it's right. On. It's right there on Metafilter. Of course, the only one place I get all my internet. Uh, Lord Bitchalot says, "How is the order on the leaderboard determined in the event of ties?" As a further question to this, explain how it was decided who got the silver moon between lots of Phil, Bimar, and Shishik. It was a three-way tie at two six seventy softcore Bs. Only Shik got the silver moon, despite having been the last person to accomplish this. I feel like if you need to decide who gets the award in this case, it should go to the person who did it first. Lots of Phil. Huh, that is not a thing that even occurred to me. I did not realize that there was going to be... I didn't realize there were any ties across the boundaries of where those got distributed. And yeah, that, that kind of sucks, actually, for that person. What do you think, what do you, think you should do in that, in that case? Like, let's say that you are Olympics man and... There is a there is a first place, and then there's a tie, a two way tie for second place, and then there's a third place. Like, does the third place right. guy just not get a bronze medal? One of the second place guys gets the bronze medal. I mean, that's pretty much how the world does it, right? Is it? If there are two silvers, then there's no bronze. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, yeah, I don't honestly know. Uh, I I know that the query to generate those leaderboards is complicated because of the only show the best run from a given person on it, uh-huh. uh, and I don't actually know. I don't actually know where uh, how those are ordered. Um, that is that is an excellent question. I did not realize that this. Uh, you, I would have thought I would have heard about this before now, and uh, before I was just you know posted publicly. Because yeah, I mean this is, this is definitely a thing that we would consider dealing with, right? Like this is like it's you know. Yeah, it would make sense for there to be some behavior on that. Then, uh, Clingy Bun Fistelvase says, uh, "Is that is that a Eddie Azard reference?" Yeah, is Cling Clingy Bun Fistelvase is one of the Engelbert Humperdinks? I don't think it is, uh, but sure I, I think it's in that vein. Yeah. No. Not sure if this has been asked in the past, but I'm new to listening to the shows. Will the passable elf mask ever have a Halloween treat associated with it? Thanks. What does the what is the passable elf mask? Is that was that the first item that we ever did that changes your avatar? It, isn't it the one that was part of the Crimbo event a couple of years ago? Don Crimbo's compound from yeah. the undercover penguin. Yeah, what's the Don Crimbo's compound? What when year was that? Two thousand nine. Yeah, that's weird because we had certainly done things like that in the past uh, with the with the new. Uh, uh, the the stuff from the sorority house, uh, CD Moyer generalized the way that those avatar changing things work in a way that it's much easier for us to handle them in the future. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm actually surprised that we didn't give that trick or treating candy. I mean, that that reads like an oversight. Even just a message and a candy cane or something, right? Right. I think uh, with the other elf costumes, you get cookies and candy. So I can. 
whip something up. Well, those are real. Those are real outfits, though. Yeah. Right. Like this is just a. Hey, do we do that for everything that has? That's that's actually a good question. There's probably stuff that changes your avatar. Like all of the stuff that we've given treats for that changes your avatar is Halloween costumes. Right. Right. They are always themed as Halloween costumes. So I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe we don't need to worry about everything changing your avatar, giving you trick or treat hmm. costume, trick or treat stuff. I don't know. Uh, Getch says, if you don't like people selling loot from completed dungeons in trade, and it sounded on the last podcast like Jick didn't like it, why do copies of monsters qualify you for loot distribution? Couldn't sexy sorority sisters check at the start of the fight to see if the necromancer is dead, and if so, run away, thus denying the qualifying kill? Likewise, the slime monsters and mother slime. If limited time uh, content is supposed to be limited, why is it possible to fight copies of extinct monsters? For example, Faxbot will supply all the fossilized monsters one needs to fill out a fossilized necklace. Are open instances of the Saranum Sorority House really going to stay open? Yellow raying one sister per day of 320 monster level instance sounds mighty profitable for a very long time. Is milking this for years really going to be allowed? How serious is Jick about keeping special things special anyway? Uh, so this is a this is a pretty confrontational way of, of uh, bringing up very legitimate concerns uh, right. that are that are honestly you know concerns that are close to my heart, but um, but you know that's 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 cool. You're new. Um, uh, so the reason that copies of monsters qualify you for loot distribution is because we weren't thinking about that when we made the ability to copy monsters, right? Like, there's a bunch of stuff that's like, if you fight this monster, then this thing happens, and a putty monster is exactly like fighting that monster in a zone. Um, it wasn't an issue in Hobopolis because in Hobopolis, in order to qualify for loot distribution, you actually have to clear the sewers. But in in dungeons that don't have the sewers, there isn't that. And I didn't want there to be like that that like player keyed individual component to every dungeon from now on. So it just it just was what it was. Um, I I like people selling loot from completed dungeons in trade. I, I actually do like that. I like that there is meat to be made letting people into your dungeon that you've gotten the loot for in the same way that I like that there's meat to be made by somebody like saying like, oh, I, I am geared and skilled to like kill bosses for you. So if anybody wants their boss killed, I'll do it for 30,000 meat or whatever. I, I actually very much like the, the community the community participation that that kind of thing creates. Well, you know, what I don't like is that there are still elf alleys open. Um, and yeah, I don't know where people got from what I said on the angst-ridden last radio show that I was actually going to leave them open forever because I didn't decide to do that. And in fact, I'm, I'm relatively certain that I have absolutely decided not to do that. Right. Um, I forgot that I need to shut that down tonight. I got a lot of stuff to do at Rollover tonight. End of the month nonsense. Uh, also, the uh, fighting one copy a day or whatever of a fossil monster is different than having a holiday zone continue to be open forever, right? And it the 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 way that you have to. The things that the, the opportunity cost of getting that necklace now is high enough that it's okay to me. Hmm. That's that's all I can say. Because I mean, it's just going to take days and days and days and days to do it. And you know, that's that's fine. If you're that dedicated to it, you can do it. It's not there staring you in the face, right? It's it is a thing that you have to go and seek out 
It is not a thing that people are going to be advertising in trade, saying like, hey, anybody who didn't get their limited time stuff from last Christmas, come on in and give us a million meat and we'll give it to you. Yeah. Um, it says, yellow ring, one sister per day of a 320 monster level instant sounds mighty profitable for a very long time. Uh, is milking this for years really going to be allowed? No, uh, I don't think that I'm going to let Yellow Raid... Uh, sorry, I don't think that I'm going to let Faxed... Oh, wait, I see what he's saying. Yeah, no, no. Uh, killing them in the dungeon. Killing them out of the dungeon is not going to... Once the dungeon is closed, is not going to give you the drops that rely on the monster level being cranked up. So those, you know, you, you get them while you can, which is for another hour. Um because those are just going to be limited in that way. And that is, like, it, it, it is the way that I want it, and it is also by far the most sane way to do it, given the technical restrictions uh, that are in place. So that's 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 what that is. How Mr. Scullet, how serious am I about keeping special things special? I don't know, man. Are you... I don't know. Fairly? I, is that a question I'm supposed to know how to answer? Oh, I don't know. I thought maybe you'd make a joke or something. Oh, no. We're, we how, are... You know, some special special moment that we shared in the past where I went out of my way to keep special things special. Yeah. We're dead serious about keeping the Special Olympics special. Let me say that. Oh, sure, sure. If you are a, a able-bodied human being, you have no business being in there, and I'll tell you that to your face. Hey, let's have this. Uh, let's have this uh, conversation again because I don't remember how you feel about it. I don't remember which side of this you're on. Uh, Riley thirty seven is writing about uh, proposal that when a new player completes the literacy quest, they get two doors with a short description of the difference between them and may choose either one: uh, help or banter. If they choose banter, then they go into newbie, and everything from there is completely as things currently stand. Um, if they choose help, they go into the help channel. Access to the help is limited to people who chose help when they finished the Temple of Literacy and people who Werebear has approved to be a helper. A help channel is only for discussing KOL and has the same spoiler policy as newbie, blah, blah, blah. Uh, let's see. Then a bunch of things about, yeah. I, like, every time I have incognito slipped into newbie to see how horrible newbie must be for the people to talk about how horrible newbie is it just has not been bad at all right and I don't know if that like do you are you in the camp that feels like that something needs to be done about a newbie I'm not in the camp that feels like something needs to be done I am in the camp that feels like it would be useful for us to have a channel that's devoted to help and that if there are, like, <clears throat> the objection that I would have to the help channel is nobody's going to want to be a helper. But if I'm wrong about that and people want to be helpers, then I think giving them a channel to do that in is not a bad idea. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of people that want to be helpers, and they're, like most of them are probably going to suck. Right. I mean, is it difficult to get help in newbie? I don't know. I'm never in there. I, I, yeah, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't either, really. I mean, it, it's. I have not ever actually made a, an account and tried to ask questions in newbie to see how people reacted, but other other staff members had, and they just didn't see. You know, the the objection that I have to what goes on in newbie is, I wish 
that when somebody said, hey, how do I get more adventures? They didn't immediately get a flood of awesome food in K-mails uh-huh. from people, which that's the kind of thing where it's like everybody is, you know, they think they're helping and they think they're being nice and they are, but they are also, you know, diminishing a large part of the experience that we're trying to provide for people. Hmm. Um, I, you know, th- so this, this is weird and, uh, <sighs> This is is changing the experience in a way that makes it more complicated for a new player, which I'm almost always going to object to on its surface. Sure. Um, but I, I just, like, any channel that we dump people into when they're done with the Altar of Literacy is going to turn into newbie. Hmm. Right? It, if we ban talking about anything other than game questions in newbie then that, I think, is putting way the wrong foot forward. The wrong face forward. The wrong... Right, like, because... Yeah. The wrong nut. The wrong nut is hanging low. Something is weird and you can't figure out exactly what it is. Right. Turns out your vast deference are twisted. Uh-huh. Um, and you don't even know how that happened. Yeah. Is that possible? Or is there something in there that actually bisects your nutsack? I, but I haven't given it a whole lot of thought. I mean, do you know? It, like, is it a single sack or is there a seam? Is there a seam in the middle of it? I shit. I don't know. I think maybe there's a seam in the middle of it. Did you take? Did, didn't you take nuts, Ed? <laughs> nuts, Ed. Yeah, but uh, all I learned about was like peanuts and soy nuts and. Oh right, that's, yeah, that's why nuts you're able and to, nuts. Why you're able to crank those out so fast. Exactly. Um, yeah, man. I I just don't like. I don't know, some likely objections and responses, but then slash help would be boring like slash trade, but from a conversational perspective, slash trade is boring, but it's useful to some people as demonstrated by the volume who are listening to it at any moment. But like, yeah, I don't know. So this statement, I believe the percentage of players who try KOL, stick around and become donators would rise noticeably, which I don't, like that is, this strikes me as the same kind of like attitude that always results in everyone thinking that if we fixed whatever their pet issue was, that we would make twice as much money somehow. Hmm. Which is a weird and really specious argument to make. You know, uh, like, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, every once in a while, I will see some press or some blog post about KOL that says, oh, and stay out of the chat, it's fucking horrible. But more often than not, in fact, in basically every case, except for a couple of exceptions that I can remember out of dozens, if not hundreds, of first impressions that people have actually written about, is like, oh, and don't be afraid of the chat. It's actually pretty good. Uh, you know? So it's like, okay, well, I feel like we've, we are doing okay. Like, yeah, I, I just, I don't know, man. It, like, it, it always strikes me, like, it always strikes me that, like, Newbie is not so busy that people can't get questions answered. Sure. And having another place, like newbie, it, newbie just becomes this like rudderless social channel. And we've got enough rudderless social channels, you know. Yeah. And and uh, yeah, I don't know. Help help becomes a thing that has to be moderated in a way that is like super draconian and unfriendly. Because you can't go into help and say, like, hey, did you guys hear Michael Jackson died? Then you just get banned. You suppose Old news. 
buddy. Is it just the trade versus food court argument again? Do you think? Do you think? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Sure. I mean, and that—that's the thing. Like every time we have tried doing anything in response to something like this, it just hasn't worked. Yeah. And it, it's it like these chat channels determine what they are for right we don't we get to make some suggestions right Right. and we can to some extent uh, like sort of swing our dicks around and make people do what we say but like it it, they have lives of their own right and I don't know you know food court food court was supposed to be a thing and all I ever hear is that like yep that didn't work so who knows yeah. You know, and then, then this last thing. If there were veterans who hang around in Slash Newbie because they enjoy a semi-captive audience to feed their egos, well, they'd lose some of their audience, but this is no loss to KOL's ability to maintain a donating player base. Like, this sounds like somebody who just doesn't like some particular newbie regular and feels like they're a jerk and says, well, since I don't like this guy, other people must not be donating because this guy is in the chat channel that they get dumped in. Yeah, and it's, like, there is a whole little community in Newbie, and they do occasionally run afoul of the moderators, but I don't think it's terrible in there. Yeah. Uh, Scully Angel says, Hi, guys. Favorite Halloween candy and favorite costume? Oh, we had a big, long uh, conversation about Halloween candy already. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about favorite costume. You think they're talking about I, Halloween is kind of ruined for me having gone to Comic Con and Dragon Con yeah. all of these times, right? Like an awesome costume is a thing that takes you months to build, and uh, you know, like I don't know, I don't know. You know, there are there are cool, clever Halloween costumes. I guess I didn't see any this year. Our our philosophy professor buddy was just wouldn't stop talking about how bullshit this Halloween was, <laughs> and. I agreed with him, but I also wanted him to stop complaining. Yeah. I would like to uh, have a to have a costume and go to a Halloween party again. It's been a couple of years since we've done that. So, hopefully next year we'll have our shit together. Yeah. Also, uh, says Scully Angel, kill the haunted house when you want to, man. There's a whole precedent with the whole precedent was set by Elf Alley is silly. Go ahead and set a new precedent. As someone who kept Elf Alley instances open after the fact, I can honestly say I've had, I'd have had zero problem with them going poof at the end of the holiday. I knew I was taking a chance when I ran that final dungeon. Happy Halloween, Scully. Yeah, you know, the outpouring of support about uh, me dealing with this the way that I want to deal with it has made me uh, made me feel safe. Safe and warm and loved. Thank oh. you, community. I'd like Halloween. Halloween really brings out the spirit of giving and, and family and togetherness in this community. That's why there's all, all those heartwarming Halloween specials. And pictures of uh, pictures of popped collars. Xenosis says, Jake said that the ratio of free content to items of the month is some, now somewhere around 75-25 and that the current business model is burdensome. Does this mean you prefer simple items of the month, even if they may make less money? If it means you'll be able to spend more time working on non-Mr. Store content? Uh, on a side note, which months do you consider easiest to create items of the month for in terms of theme and content? Uh, you know, what I really liked was this one where everybody else did all the work. Right. Um, I just had to make, like, a decision like two weeks ago and then ask people about it at the meeting and then it just got done which was awesome um yeah I mean I I have to I have to keep it in my head when I'm when I'm worried about this that the the item of the month makes us do work that we might otherwise blow off that might otherwise take us a lot longer than it should to actually get out there and 
we're always careful with items of the month to make sure that everybody gets to play with that content, right? There, there might be gatekeepers on that content that are the people who donate, but you know there are too many gatekeepers, and so eventually the gate gets gets a, a reasonable toll on it in the mall. Uh, this metaphor is getting more and more strained. <laughs> um, I mean, I certainly prefer to make simple items of the month just because I prefer doing things that are easy to things that are hard, but I also prefer doing things that are awesome to things that are boring. And so those two, those two principles are constantly at war uh, inside my head. Yeah. Um, you know, like, I had a tremendous amount of fun uh, with the, the uh, clan looking glass thing. Like, that was just cool. That felt, like, that felt like building a playground and we were in the swings the whole time we were building it. Hmm. You know, I don't know. I don't know if you enjoyed that as much as I remember enjoying it. And maybe I'm just looking back with rose-colored glasses. No, maybe was, I didn't do any of the work on that one either. That was easy and fun to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, eh, you know, I don't know. I mean, it, there's there's also the the thing you know where it's like, is it? Let's imagine that I was just looking at the bottom line, and so I thought, all right, well, on the months that we have a simple item of the month, we also need to do some sort of world event that causes people to need to spend a lot of meat so that that will cause the bump in donations that cancels out the dip in donations that a simple item of the month. I don't think it's simple. I think it's that we think of gear items of the month as being simple, and gear items of the month are items of the month that are only being sold to, like, a third of the player base. Right. Right? Maybe not even... Maybe not a third, but, like, of the item of the month buying player base, their ascenders are very, very disproportionately represented, and when when we're thinking about that it's like a thing that is only useful to people in softcore is just going to sell to the fraction of the player base that's in softcore which varies from year to year but you know it's pretty low um yeah I don't know do you think it's sleazy to every like just have it like alright well we've got a simple item of the month so we need to put in like a clan dungeon or something during this period of time to get some meat being spent so that people will donate more is that sleazy? I don't think that's sleazy I think it's it speaks well for you that you worry that it is, but I doubt that it is. <clears throat> the Dog Delusion says, Hey guys, thank you for all your hard work on KOL. Your game is awesome. It makes me so happy, and I'm doing my best to donate regularly to support your work and to spread word of the game to my friends and English-speaking coworkers. Keep up the good work, and don't fret so much about whether or not to do stuff you think is right. Just do what you think will make KOL a better game. Oh. Aww. Number two, what would you say if I hypothetically offered you $500 for a hand turkey outline? I couldn't do it, man. I'm sorry. You could offer him $500 for a hand job. Sure, that I would not also not do. No, right. sorry. But you could you could do that. That would Unless be more sexy, likely. Unless you were a sexy lady, then I might give you a hand job for free. But I don't think anybody actually calls that that. Right. Uh, 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 a finger blast? Yeah. Uh, Foggy says it's unfortunate that some individual's actions have left you consternated and I understand the concern about this game should be what I want to publish versus this game should do what I want uh, it seems the core of the issue with the Haunted Sorority House in Elf Alley is a general debate about the availability of limited time items not so much content but swag I believe you'd like to see limited time items as just that unavailable to later players others see possible meat making bonanzas and jury rigging a way to make that content available given that would a possible compromise be a way for clans to store undistributed loot that can then be distributed later even if the instance of the dungeon would close this would 
allow you to eliminate all the holiday instances, but certain players like Pantsless, who I can't speak for, I like wearing pants, can still keep his 50 clan dungeons replete with loot. I expect the answer to be no, but I thought it'd be worth suggesting. So the only reason that we don't let you distribute uh, loot before the dungeon is closed is because we don't have a list of eligible players. Uh, because the list of eligible players is constructed based on the contents of the log table, which doesn't get kept in a searchable format after you close the dungeon. Um, the old logs are just text dumps of the contents of the log reader from the current logs. It absolutely does not have to be done that way, and at, when I was messing with this, every time we add a new dungeon, there there gets to be this crazy bullshit going on because I don't understand the loot distribution code anymore. There was something, there was some reason that Xenophobe had to rewrite it after I had written it in the first place. And it was it was to do something that needed to be done. It wasn't just like, a, oh, let's do this differently. But it's, it's written in that like real programmer code that I don't understand. Right. At all, it does it does stuff with queries that I don't know what they actually. I don't know what these keywords mean, um, and and so it, I was thinking about this when we were coding the Haunted Sorority House. Like it would not be that big of a deal for me to store the people who are eligible for loot in the in the dungeon run old log, right? And then you could distribute it, but that was not so you could distribute it to other people after after the fact. You know, because it, what that would basically mean, can we distribute dungeon loot to anyone, not just people who were actually participating in the run? And I don't really feel like, I don't, I don't know. Does anyone think that that's a good idea? Not I. I mean, people who want to sell it think that it's a good idea. But at that point, why not just make it tradable, right? At that point, it just becomes a thing where it's like, yeah, now you're not even making people go through the motions. Um, Hobopolis was good because Hobopolis, there was a thing that you had to do that demonstrated some commitment to the run that meant that, you know, you spent at least some turns and some resources in there and you didn't just fight a puttied monster to make yourself eligible for the loot, right? And I, and I wish, I wish that we had done something more like that, but I don't, what I don't want is for somebody to like, it's like, oh, sorry, we couldn't give you, you know, you're the only person left in this clan that that doesn't have, the, you know, this, this Stein or whatever, but because you only put 19 turns in on this run instead of 20 because you came in late, we can't give it to you. You know, so it's like making it so people don't inadvertently get screwed out of things that by all rights they should be able to get. I forgot how the sentence started, so I don't know how to finish it as a complete sentence. <laughs> Um, now, St. Doodle says, I have to agree with others who've said you should feel free to close this dungeon whenever you want. For one, it's the second limited time dungeon content. Of course you're still toying around with how you want it to work. For two, getting through the sewer was a higher cost of entry for Elf Alley, so it makes sense that its closing would be more forgiving in a sense. Yeah, that's the other thing about Elf Alley, was that because it was part of Hobopolis, it was harder to close just it. Melvin III says, can you mute your mic when you're sucking off your hookah or mashing on your keyboard? <laughs> you know, you can't, actually. That's funny, sucking off your hookah. Um, you can't because uh, muting your mic means that nobody would be able to hear me. Yeah, we're the way clusterfuck of a situation that we're forced to deal with because of the broadcast. Yeah, the way that we're set up to broadcast right now is Jick. I call Jick on Skype and put his put a speaker 
with his voice coming out of it next to the microphone that I'm using. And both of our voices go into that microphone and into the broadcasting software, which I tell to ignore what it's hearing from the sound card and to only take what it gets from the microphone. Yeah. So... So you yeah. can't mute one of us without muting both of us. I mean, it is really loud. In editing, the the hookah is not such a big deal. But the, 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 your typing is really loud. It is. On the, on the recordings, um, you know, I mean, the, I think the solution is not type. But then what are you going to do to entertain yourself while I'm soliloquizing? Exactly. And, and in and this, this case, is like I was a writing a response. With podcasts, right? Like, it's not just us. It's And I think it's, it, is, it is largely a problem with podcasts where the people aren't sitting in the same room. Because, yeah. you know, I'm tempted to look shit up on the internet. And I don't do it during Advice Hot Dog. You know, and I'm like, yeah, what are you going to do? You know, when I upgraded my sound card drivers, I got that what you hear setting back. Oh, yeah? And um, that makes me wonder if I could have, like, I could be on a headset and your voice could be coming through Skype and still getting heard and broadcast. I mean, I'm all about I'm all about experimenting to simplify that process. And so you'd use Winamp to broadcast? Probably, although I think that I can do it with Sam too. Maybe we should sometime before the next show do a test of that. Yeah. Cuz I can test it without broadcasting and I could just open the recording stream and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, you'd still have to have a mic. Right, so there would still be a mic that could hear your typing. Right, I can. Right, but the mic wouldn't have to be right next to the keyboard. Okay, I mean, I guess it doesn't have to now. I could put the mic further away from me, and yeah, I don't know. The way that it's set up now, put it closer to you, but further from your keyboard. And you, so what you could do is you could have the microphone on one shoulder and my voice coming out of a speaker on the other shoulder. That way the angel on my left shoulder could be just really quiet because it would just be me talking into a microphone. I, I wish I felt that we could record these things ahead of time like like I do everything else now because it is it, it is immeasurably less stressful not having to deal with the broadcast. Um, yeah. But I just, I don't know. Like I, I feel like that is so much harder to coordinate when I can't just go grab you and do it. You know? Right. We're getting earlier next week, too, right? Like, not yeah. for you, but for me. It seems like the perfect time to record the show, though, is when it's airing. Yeah, it very much is. And the, Although, I would not mind... I would, I think, rather record it two hours after it airs. Right. Um, but that that's going to be tricky, just from a causality standpoint. Right. It's rough for me to figure out another time that we could do it and that's uh, partly that's just because we've done it this way for so long sure it is but i mean i can't really think of a good time for us to do it either because you know it's like saturday like i really enjoy having my fridays and saturdays free of of any like scheduled stuff and like sunday sunday is advice hot dog now and then i had what i what i got monday monday wednesday sunday are podcast days yeah Tuesday rock climbing day. I guess that's it. I guess I've I've gotten I've 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 slimmed down my regular weekly obligations to some extent. Right. Because I started just feeling like my I was locked up in a world that's been planned out for me. I was feeling like a social tool without a use. Exactly. Riley thirty seven says 
the game designer has a set of intentions, and of course a large population of players is going to include a wide range of intentions, some of which no designer could predict. I rather like the line in a past show about people who would choose to poke a fork in their eye for plus 11 points over fucking the prom queen for plus 10 points. Although he says shagging the prom queen. Ah, boo. But I don't go in for any of that mustache stuff that you folks do in England. How do you draw the boundary between what's under the control of the game designer and what's under the control of the general mass of players and what's under the control of a few loophole spaders? How do you intervene in the game economy and the social dynamics? That said, it makes sense for a haunted house to close right at the end of Halloween. The end of a window of opportunity is a challenge, and it's good for a game to include a variety of challenges. I've seen people getting creative and getting more into teamwork due to the challenge and opportunity of the sorority house. Anything that inspires creativity and teamwork increases my interest and enjoyment of KOL. This works well as an intro dungeon for new-to-dungeon players. It's a stepping stone to the complexities of Hobopolis. Now... Um, yeah, you, you know, it, like, if you think of games as art, and you think of a definition of art that requires an audience, huh. then, then it, then it becomes, you know, ev- everything becomes a collaborative process to some extent. I mean, th- the internet, the internet accelerates it, right? Like, the internet made the Harry Potter series a collaboration between J.K. Rowling and her dipshit readers much more than I would have liked for it to have been. Yeah. You know, even if it was just the occasional paragraph that was like, there, shut the fuck up, you trolls. You can't make money because, you know, MacGuffin, 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 a wizard did it. Right. Like. Uh, yeah, I've pointed that out too. Is that, and that happens with almost everything now. That Glee is the same way. It got destroyed and it's second season by uh, like directly addressing shit people were saying in various internet places on the show in a really clumsy way so yeah there's, yeah, a, there's I mean, something to be uh, said you know, for not listening to people who are critiquing your shit yeah. yeah but it's but at the same time I mean th- this a lot of good things come of us Figuring out what makes people happy and trying to give them what's going to make them happy, right? Like the 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 challenge for us is in keeping the jobs interesting for us, right? Like making this into a thing that we want to be doing, as opposed to just like the guy who's on the king's payroll that like the king says, "Tell me a story about X," and you think, "Well, I I don't want to tell a story about X. I want to tell it." You know, my muse is telling me to tell a story about butterflies, and the king says, "Well, we're going to cut your fucking head off if you don't tell us a story about X." Huh. X should have been something in that story. Uh, Maybe the king just was wanted a story eggs. about that letter. Uh, okay, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know. It's I don't I don't know why I got so angsty on Thursday. I think it was more like arguing with hot stuff, and that made me sad than right. actually. Uh, he was he was channeling the player base in a way that I wasn't comfortable with. <laughs> Uh, Wax says, is the November garden item of the month, if it is a garden item of the month, going to be a serious thing you can grow like watermelons or something not so serious like office chairs? Uh, (laughs) Holy shit, they Uh, figured out the office chair thing. Wow, that's weird. Now we have to change it. Yeah, the item of the month Uh, will be uh, on time for December. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, uh, November is not going to be a garden. Right? No, because November starts... November starts tonight. Yes. Like Bonnie Tyler said. November's gonna start tonight. Also, Jake, if you ever break your leg, can we have a broken leg familiar? (laughs) And to Scully, how would Lars deal with the sorority house? Uh, He would probably deal with it two or three sorority girls at a time. Mm -hmm. He has sworn a mighty oath to never lay with one woman at a time. Has he? Yeah, that was part of the thing, is he... 
you know, the, he's trapped out in the wild with the sexy barbarian girl, and it's like, no, just lay with me, for I, I will not try to fuck you, in so many words. I have sworn a mighty oath to never be with one woman at a time, for it is not fair to ask any mortal woman to satisfy all of a warrior's needs. So. Because Lars is as Hello. kinky as I can, I can push him. Yeah. I see. Sorry, I, I, I stepped on you there. By reading Rigatoni Rex's question. Hello, Jake and Mr. Scully. Thank you for continuing to make this awesome game. Question. There are a few parts of KOL that require multiple ascensions to complete, like the hobo code binder symbols, the wrong place at the right time trophy, pork health prizes, and glad bag, glad rags outfits. At least one familiar, Bandersnatch, whose utility grows as a character learns more cross-class skills. I really enjoy these types of mechanics as they provide goals to achieve across multiple ascensions. How do you feel an equipment item of the month would be received if its most powerful state required the player to level it up across multiple ascensions? I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing that is, like, conceptually really interesting, but I think it would be hard to pull off in a way that was fun across the board for everyone to play with. Um, I'd be more inclined, I think, to do that with something like a familiar that you could also use in hardcore, right? If it was a thing that was primarily about ascension, then gear, we're just cutting the market for the item of the month even Thinner by saying, all right, well, this is an item of the month. Most equipment is item of the month for aftercore and for softcore people. This is only for softcore people. Right. You know, because it's just not going to work for aftercore people. Other question, are Jake and Hot Stuff coming back to San Francisco in January? Uh, no, I think we're doing March this year because we're going to go to GDC. Um, but that's not, that's not entirely firm. It's just that's what we've been saying for the last year. Uh, let's see. Sinal Dunn says, have you thought about adding an introductory adventure to future clan dungeons that would function similarly to the clearing of the sewers? This would prevent the putty slash facts from being used to distribute loot to those who didn't adventure in it. It would also provide an opportunity for some narrative so the players know what they're getting into. Uh, also, I like the idea mentioned in the last show of a clan dungeon with puzzles, especially if it requires teamwork instead of something you can just hit solve in Mafia to complete. That's always a, that's always a, rough, uh, a rough edge to, to stride. That was a terrible met... Why am I so bad at metaphors? Yeah, that was a rough edge to stride. They call me. It's a razor's edge. Edge strider. That's a that's a tall order to tip over. Uh, Lightwolf says, Boner Battalion, I believe on one of the recent radio shows it was mentioned that you've been thinking about making it so you could give your broners commands during combat to give the skill a little oomph. Have you given any more thought into polishing that off? (laughs) Boy, I've been giving some thought to polishing off some frat boys. I've been giving some thought to sucking off my hookah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the best way to phrase that. Um, yeah, actually, you've done a similar mechanic with being able to call hobos to your aid during combat while wearing the Hodgman suit. Would that be an interesting mechanic to expand on in the future, say for the Mr. Combat skill item of the month? You can only have one type of entourage following you at any given time to limit the power creep and to let you make a new combat skills to your heart's content. Um, huh. Entourage. If we knew anything about the show Entourage, we could make jokes about that in your Entourage. Um, I do, I do like the idea of doing that with the with the bro, uh, the Broner Battalion, with the Boner Battalion. Right. I was afraid you were going to be mad at me for Boner Battalion. <laughs> no, of course not. Boners are nope. fine. All right. Uh, is it about time to? Is it about time to end this? I like. It sucks that we have to start. It sucks that I have to start so early next week. Yeah. Like having to be home by five o'clock interferes with my ability to have anything like a work day on Mondays. Is it? Is it really that early? Yeah, I guess two hours. Starts at 
The show will start for you at six. Huh. No, it'll start for me at five. It starts for me at six now. It does. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it is eight o'clock my time right now. Oh, okay. So I think it doesn't change for you because you no longer live in the part of it. Like, we changed the show schedule so that the show doesn't change for anyone except people who live in Arizona. Right. But we're about to fall back an hour. So that means Arizona and Minnesota are going to be one hour apart. Which means the show will start at eight for me and seven for you. Oh, is that true? Does it actually get later for me? Yeah. Tell you what, on Monday at like three o'clock, I'll send you a message and say it's three okay. o'clock now. Because <laughs> nice. it hurts my brain to try and think of that too. Yeah, it shouldn't be that hard, but it is. Yeah. Why? It, why it always it messes with my brain, and I always get it wrong. I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's another reason we should just stop broadcasting. Yeah. Then we could just go, okay, when should I start playing this on the radio? Is it six o'clock or five o'clock? Yeah, you give it to somebody else, let them do it. Like I do with Savin, who's, uh, who's, who's, who's Yeoman's, Yeoman's efforts in keeping that shit getting broadcast, I assume, are, are going great. <laughs> I very much appreciate their willingness to put up with my prima donna horse shit about all this broadcast stuff. <laughs> oh, you prima donna and your horse shit. Yeah. Anyway, I gotta go, uh, I gotta go make sure that shit's ready for rollover. All right. Enjoy your uh, pencil that shoots candy and lasers out of its ass, kids. We'll, we'll, see uh, you after we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.